You know, I think that you're speaking to like, how do you know when you don't belong, you know, and, and how is it that you understand when you, you don't feel that belonging in a space? And I think we've all felt that at some point, sort of like, you know, physically in like the pit of our stomach of like, uh, I don't know if I fit here. everyone welcome back to Karyoscope. Today we have someone with us who has done some phenomenal work in the space of diversity, inclusion, equity and belonging. She's a senior manager with LinkedIn.com and has been working tirelessly to create safe spaces for thousands of employees across the globe. She's someone who has this ability to make people feel warm and safe sitting thousands of miles away by her authenticity and drive to make a difference. It's been an absolute honor to have her on the show and share her journey till this point and also educate us around the different complex social inequities that exist in the world, especially in the times that we are living in and the need to address these consciously and mindfully. Please put your hands together and join me in welcoming the very special and very beautiful Michelle Rodriguez. Hey Michelle, welcome to Cadioscope. Thank you for thank joining you so me. Much for, yes, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with you. Same here. It's so, so glad to have you on the show. Michelle, there's so much that we've been um, seeing around the world when it comes to people being divided every every single morning we wake up to the news of some sort of hatred some sort of division that's happening due to color race gender uh, you know personality types and in such a world it's unusual to really really deeply care about these divisions and and i see you being a person who seems to have like a visceral drive towards making a difference. And I wonder where that comes from. I would love to hear your journey. Where, how did you reach this point? Yeah, I think you you definitely described the time that we're living in in a very great way. I think that this is a time of just navigating a never-ending sense of crisis. It's almost like, you know, the division that you're talking about. I really think that xenophobia is something that we're all experiencing in every part of the globe. And at the end of the day, xenophobia is really rooted in a lot of fear. And, you know, in the work that I do, a lot of it is around how do we amplify diversity and inclusion and create a sense of belonging for people And I truly believe that at the end of the day, no matter who you are in whatever area of the world that you live in, you want to feel seen, you want to feel heard, you want to feel valued uh, for who you are as a person. And I think that what roots me in this work is really finding joy, finding fulfillment and making spaces for people. I've always been been that person that's like rooting for the underdog. I definitely identify with being the other, whatever the other is defined where you're from. 
Um, and I think that this just comes from a very young time in my life of just navigating spaces that perhaps were not built for me, um, navigating from a very early age, kind of different cultures and making sure I was covering in the right way and that people accepted me and just those feelings from a very young age has have stuck with me. And I think that they are universal feelings that even as adults, we face in the workplace and in different, you know, areas of community. So, you know, that that really calls to me of just creating those spaces for people. Yeah, you mentioned that at, at a very young age, you you yourself experienced that feeling of being excluded. And is there any specific incident or any specific moment that you can think of where you um, felt that you were the other person in the room? Yeah, I think we all have those moments that we can point back to and say, you know, that was really pivotal. And like we we don't perhaps see it in the moment, but maybe 20 years later, looking back, it's so much easier to see the red threads in your life. Going back, as I mentioned before, to my childhood. I am the daughter of immigrants. I grew up in the United States. Um, both my parents were are Latino working class immigrants, and I work up. I grew up very, you know, working class, and I was afforded the opportunity to go to private schooling most of my life. So I was very much surrounded um, by students who came from affluent backgrounds, you know, high incomes. And I learned from a very young age to cover and to not talk about, uh, you know, where I grew up or where I lived or the neighborhood I was from or who my parents were, that I spoke Spanish at home or that I ate Latino foods at home or all these type of things that would probably make me stick out already even more so than my skin color and how I sh- showed up in class. And I remember distinctly a moment from my childhood. Um, I was in middle school, so probably around like sixth grade. I was probably like around 10, 11 years old. And I remember it was a grammar lesson where we were learning about how you talk about people from different countries. So, you know, for example, we had England. Those people are called English people or, um, you know, people from Indonesia, Indonesian people and just, you know, how you relate that in grammar. And one of the examples was Mexico. And one of the kids got up in class and very proudly and, you know, kind of with like a smirk on his face. And I still can literally remember where I was sitting in the class and where he stood up in the third row in the front. And he said, all Mexicans are dirty, lazy and stupid. And being that child in that moment, I just directly remember feeling just like, the heat in my face, you know, like the heat come up in your ears, you know, you have to remember, I was literally the only Latina, the only person of any type of Mexican descent in that class. And I literally remember all of the heads of the fellow students just kind of slowly turning and kind of shyly looking for my reaction. And I didn't know how to react. Like, how does anybody react in that moment? And when I looked up at the teacher, he did absolutely nothing. 
And he just kept going with the class. And it was not acknowledged, nothing. And in that moment, I remember feeling like I have to swallow all my my feelings right now because nobody's here for me. And it was a very pivotal time now looking back because I had to swallow that up and still be expected to perform and do well as a student and be grateful that I'm in this space getting this scholarship and this great education, even though I am not safe, even though there are some very overt signs saying you do not belong here and we are going to discriminate and we are going to say things to your face and it not be accountable whatsoever. And even the person in power being the teacher in the room is not going to take care of you. And, you know, I never want that experience for anybody else. You know, I've paved my way through my life. And now, you know, both you and I are at this great company And if I can do anything in my power to assure that nobody has to go through experiences like that in spaces that I'm in, I will do it. Because I'm like, no, that is absolutely sort of a root cause in my life that, you know, I've turned that that trauma into something that impels me to action. You know, I've used that as like my fuel in my life to assure that whatever space I step into, that is not going to happen wherever I'm at as much as I can control. So that's been, you know, something I always point back to in my life. That's a very powerful story. And I think a lot of uh, children, for that matter, go through what you had gone through in that moment in different ways. Uh, Children go through this Mm -hmm. and uh, it's amazing that you chose to harness all of that uh, energy that you'd experienced in that moment to something bigger and better and today thanks to people like you who feel strongly about discrimination and uh, power abuse we have some really really strong practices in place for others to feel safe what are the different types of um what are the different identities that exist? Because like we know, it's a, it's an ocean, right? But for our podcast listeners to really be able to understand what biases mean and what are the biases that we need to watch out for? Mm-hmm. It's such a good question. Um, and I feel like there aren't enough hours in the day that we could go through all of the bias and identities. But I will say, you know, off the top of my head, globally, there's, there's so much around gender, whether that's um, gender identity, um, how we treat our LGBTQ plus community, women around the world, um, parents and caregivers, Um, so many underrepresented racial groups and ethnic groups and how that intersects with class and um, social economic status. So many of these intersect, right? It's not just like one person fits in like one box and that's it. Many times all of these different types of things intersect. And, you know, I could keep going on and on, right? In terms of 
the type of education somebody has, their citizenship, their faith, their religion, all of these very beautiful things, these very beautiful intersecting identities that make up each one of us. And I will say, you know, in order to keep an open mind about not creating that bias, I think it's important to always think about when we talk about this work, intent versus impact. You know, everybody will go back to, oh, well, I didn't mean it like that. Or, oh, that was just a joke. Or, oh, I'm not that type of person. You know, somebody's like called out like, hey, that kind of hurt me. Or, you know, hey, what did you mean by that? I think it's, it's so second nature as humans that we're like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you don't understand what I meant. And I think then the step that we want to encourage people to take is understanding the impact. It's like, I totally get you didn't mean to do that, but tend to the impact that you created on that other person that was unintended. You know, focus on the impact, focus on learning. What was it about what you said or did or didn't do that impacted the next person so that you could do better for the next time or so that you could learn more? And I think that having that open mind, having that growth mindset can be the change for so many people, because I think what's happening is that we get so caught up in in trying to explain ourselves and who we are not and who we are. You know, there's a lot of divisive conversations around the world. And what would it look like if we were to just listen? What would it what would it look like if we were to be actively engaged in the conversation to try to understand from one another? And yes, we can't, you know, always expect that on a world stage from our leaders, but we can do that on a micro stage in our lives every day with our coworkers, with our friends, with our family members. And when we look at what we can control, it becomes more empowering to be able to say, okay, I could try to act a little bit different and be a little bit more conscious about the actions I have towards others. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, I heard it somewhere. I'm forgetting. I think again, RuPaul, because I heard that interview very recently. <laughs> I think it's on top of my mind. But he yeah. says something really interesting. He he talks about how over a period of time, an op- an oppressed actually takes on the characteristics of an oppressor, which is why mm-hmm. there's like this unending cycle of people trying to suppress each other. Because if someone experiences some sort of an oppression and then they're just continuously doing it and the chain goes on and on and it, it's become a part of our DNA now. Uh, it's, it's such an important aspect of making that change is to break the cycle like you very rightly mentioned by being conscious of the impact versus intent. And I want to like specifically call this out. I attended this workshop that you and your team had organized. Before that, I'd never realized the importance of not making people feel that they are wrong. Even like calling people out for what they were doing, but doing it in a way where they didn't feel attacked. Because that's Mm -hmm. one thing that so many of us probably go wrong in. The way we approach this conversation becomes like an attack and you we suddenly feel like we're on a higher moral ground or something which makes 
others feel like who are you to tell me what's right or wrong and understanding how to have that conversation the right way becomes so important mm. and i realized it only after i went through that process of education and it it's changed my relationships for better to be very very honest i mm. have a much better relationship with the, my family my friends with people around me on because it helped me understand okay this is where i was going wrong hmm yeah and i mean it's such an interesting conversation because what you're talking about is like how do we call in people versus calling out people i will say there is a big caveat where i think that there's a lot of healing and anger and anger is not always bad um anger is just a feeling and i think that there's so much around the world that is happening that definitely warrants anger from people and sometimes we want to tell people oh don't be so mad or you know they call it tone policing like you can only talk about this if you're calm <laughs> and you know yeah. for some people we have to shy away from not wanting to hear the anger and the passion because sometimes that needs to come through now that being said um going back to calling in and calling out you know when we especially when we're thinking about like people that we want to further the relationship build a good relationship with but call out you know certain things calling out is you know like you said sort of the shame and blame that people think about of like oh my gosh i can't believe you said that or oh my gosh you're such a racist or you know oh my god things that will like automatically probably shut down a lot of people and there's a couple of just easy tactics you can start doing when you're just calling in people to try and understand where they're coming from and also have them pause and maybe reflect on what it is they're talking about and in the manner they're talking about it like what did you mean by that or do you have you know what's been your experience with that because that hasn't been my experience um or can you say more or maybe like repeating what they said so they can kind of hear like this is what you just said out loud and you know those type of tactics are just kind of what i see is like conversation starters or just kind of focusing on perhaps the impactful thing that they said or the impactful thing that they did to try and deconstruct it a bit now all of us have to kind of gauge for ourselves when is it appropriate to do that do you have the trust and relationship to go there with that person do you have the emotional energy some of us it may not be the day to have that conversation and maybe you save that for later so these are all things that real time you have to kind of gauge for yourself do I want to go there but i think these tactics of just kind of asking further questions can help open up the conversation so that you understand where they're coming from and then they can be open to understand how you're taking that how you're seeing that impact and they can just understand more from you too yeah absolutely absolutely though these are such great points and i've personally started using some of these in my conversations so i can for sure say uh, vouch for the impact that these these tactics really have on shifting the conversation to a more positive tone for that matter just one last question i had for you uh, michelle i wanted to get your perspective on the overall impact of these conversations on our healing from the time we're growing up so many of us are 
wounded by different kinds of uh, uh, acts of bullying or discrimination and it could be different for different people uh, you experience the experience of feeling uh, cornered for being a mexican uh, there are people who feel cornered for just having a personality type which is more quiet or timid or and even in countries yeah. like india it's a very common thing that oh you're you're not as fair as person i or mm-hmm. things like that and those are very hurtful things to hear and i know people personally who were so wounded by the time they become adults that uh, it's it's difficult to heal but i feel these conversations really give people a lot of power to understand the problems outside it's an external problem anything that you want to share on that on how absolutely yeah yeah now you brought up a great point because so many people in approaching these topics or even doing this work skip over this whole huge topic of healing <laughs> like i'm so happy that you brought this up because you're right i mean all of these impacts from you know the oppression different communities feel to the personal discrimination that people have faced and prejudice these all create different levels at times of trauma and impact and we have to heal from that and sometimes people conflate the work of dni with healing which it, it can intersect but it's definitely not pure healing i think that we need to allow ourselves the time and the methods to process some of these things that have happened in our lives and hopefully take it from a place of hurt and trauma to hopefully a place of action and um, purpose and these all can come in different ways i think it really depends on each person sometimes it is finding community of people uh like you that have gone through these things that can relate to you where you can put your guard down where you can find the safe space to just be who you are and sometimes that community can be super healing um in finding familiarity with others and sort of that second family in that sense i'm a huge proponent of therapy i love therapy i have a therapist right now um and that i think is great if you have the access to therapy to unpack some of the things that have happened in your past and what that means for you now and just trying to relate that for yourself and i think another huge thing is mindfulness you know so many of our communities and our ancestors have left us with um great mindfulness practices that can bring calm to our spirit to our mind as we're processing these things and i think once you take the time to heal you're that much more powerful in doing the work of allyship or doing the work of dei because you have a clear sense of you know your own story how your own story and your own values and your own identities can now be leveraged for others and you can be really strong and feel like self-assured um and backed up in your story and that's at least what's happened for me 
And so I definitely am a huge proponent of just taking the time to heal and just rest from um, major things that have happened in your life. Yeah, I mean, um, thank you for sharing your own like things that you're doing yourself. And clearly, it comes up in the work that you do as well. Uh, any parting thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, yes, yes, I love that. Um, you know, I know you know that this is one of my favorite quotes, but, you know, I always go back to the scholar and writer um, Audre Lorde and so much of what she wrote about self-care being a form of resistance. You know, I think this work is definitely a form of resistance and you could say even a form of activism in, in certain ways for communities and you have to take care of yourself uh, before you take care of others too. And so I think particularly for us of communities where we have been impacted more, where we have been facing different oppression, where we have been underrepresented. It's so essential for us to take the time to rest, to take the time to heal, to take the time to do the self-care um, in order to be the best version of ourselves um, for others and to do this work. So I'm a huge proponent of that. I think that it is a beautiful thing to learn about others, but we always have to take time to learn ourselves, right? And take care of ourselves too. Yeah. So I love that you are a huge proponent of that too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for sharing. Like there's so much that we can talk about. I mean, I thought we'll do this in 20 minutes, but this is such a vast ocean of things to talk about and so complex to like, peel the layers yes. to say so it, it's not it's hard to have this conversation flawlessly in 20 minutes but thanks a ton Michelle for your time I loved having this chat and I'm sure that listeners would be able to get a fresh perspective get some perspective on this, this very complex topic and um, thanks for all the work that you're doing as well you too. It's great doing it with you. And thank you so much for having me on.